2: Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Okay, los. Hello, so just two weeks to go, we break the habit of a season and pod before the game week is over. Sorry, but it's unavoidable this week due to work commitments. So we're going to aim for something more forecasty, you know, rather than tied down to current events. Just to make sure we're not too tied in to what's going on. We are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at WGTA underscore FPL, Nick's at WGTA underscore Nick, and Anthony's at FPL stag. We're also on Instagram, WGTA.FPL. And you can probably tell from me doing that, that sadly there's no Nick tonight due to family commitments, but we've drafted in you know, the best of the best, the nicest, the funniest punner in FPL Twitter, and Adam Pritchard, basically the person who's available, um, who you can find at 352 to join us for this one today. You know, we're very grateful to Adam for um, finding the time to um, come in for Nick at uh, very short notice. So yeah, brilliant to have you on as always, Adam.
0: Thanks, Tom, for the very, very kind intro. Uh, I'll have you know, I cleared my very hectic social calendar just to be here for you guys. You know, I had all sorts of plans for, what is it, a Tuesday evening. Um, but yeah, no, uh, great to be on. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <you> just choked. <laughs> Just by your very
2: presence, Adam, you just, just make Anthony just collapse into hysterics. <laughs> I don't even know, he's not said anything. I mean, is it just the poise? Is it just the Is it just the diction? Is it just the delivery, Anthony? I don't know what it is. It's I just...
0: don't know, I just... Sorry. He's laughing at the tash, isn't he? Really, I think we
1: both
2: know that. Yeah, it's, it is an interesting tash. I'm not going to get into it too much, because we're all sporting interesting tashes due to probably lockdown. But I feel like you've properly tailored it to look like a chef in a French restaurant.
0: I thought I looked like... Um the comparison I've been using to people is like uh, an extra from Dunkirk or someone who lied about his age to get drafted in World War Two.
1: <laughs> Interesting. I, I think I look more like an extra maybe from Enemy at the Gates perhaps or something like the, the hair has kind of gone so ragged. Good, and shout. Very... Good shout. Thank you.
2: <laughs> are, you the, are you the guy who carries the, carries the rifle or carries the ammo though, Stag? That's the question.
1: Oh, definitely Carly carrying the ammo and gets cut down, just as a forgettable <laughs> character, just one of those other ones. <laughs> anyway,
2: let's not get too niche here, Anthony. Uh, what's on pod today?
1: Yes, hello, hello. It has been a, a busy week of games, um, but we're, we're here, as you say, Tom, a little bit earlier in the game week uh, than usual. So far, this double slash triple game week has been kind of reminiscent, actually, of the Man City double earlier in the season, where... decisions have really hit people hard, but from an FPL perspective anyway, there's an awful lot left to unfold in this game week and indeed this season. That said, from a consequential league placings perspective, City are now the champions, United of the top four sewn up, the top four itself, it probably should stay as it stands, bar some incredible results, and relegation has obviously been confirmed as well with Sheffield United, Fulham and West Brom condemned. So... While those things might make this season feel over in many ways, uh, we're kind of going to lean into that a little bit and look ahead to next season and get into some forecasting, uh, following on, I guess, to an extent from last week's discussion about the 200 Club. So what we're going to be doing is looking at price predictions for next season. Uh, But yes, first up, though, we're going to have a look at the game reviews so far. Of course, there's quite a few games left, but worth checking in anyway with everybody.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we're all doing all right at the moment. I'm just looking at a league that I happen to know we're all in. Oh, wait a minute, Adam, I think you might be at the bottom. Sorry, Uh, would you mind telling us how you've been getting on?
0: It's funny because I was just uh, loading up live FPL on my phone to have a look. And I saw 73 and I thought, oh, that's not too bad. And then I realised that's the top 10K. My score is, in fact, 59 minus 8, leaving me 51. Where, Where to start? I mean, I suffered with the Maguire injury, so that went from what looked like would be at minimum a six-pointer because he's, I think he's played every minute in the Premier League for United up until that point. And then the injury obviously turns his potential six-pointer uh, because of the triple game week into a one-pointer. Uh, Bruno captain I I think has worked out well, better than every other captain I could have had because he is my highest-scoring player. Mm-hmm. Um only other returns in my side, other than that, are Alexander Arnold with the seven pointer and Ian acho uh, on nine. Thanks to last week, really, but yeah, a tale of my season. Um, not very good,
1: pretty bad, to be quite frustrating. Honest. A very frustrating one, um, for yeah. sure. The Maguire thing, especially, has really caught an awful lot of people, and it's funny. Uh, many people have alluded to it. I'm not original in this thought, but you know, he was definitely the player that we might have thought would get the you know, 90 minutes in three games and that has obviously been cruelly cut apart so that was an unfortunate one uh, I myself am doing a little bit better I have 84 points minus four so a net 80 with quite a few players left to go so that has me on a green arrow as it stands I have three players who have already finished all of their games for the game week those are Inacho Kane and Son so obviously keeping on to San and not moving him on I don't want to say rewarded because it's not like seven points is a huge haul, but at the same time, I'm happy to have him in my team and I'm happy that I don't need to get him into my team for the next game week. So all in all, that's a happy accident. Speaking of happy accidents, Edward Mendy in goals uh, had that penalty save, wow, about eleven points.
2: What's that, wasn't it? Like, just literally stuck his hand up and then uh,
1: Q eleven points, brilliant.
2: The, the mean, finest, fair enough. The finest eleven rate. points. It's just yeah. one of those, isn't it? The you know, pen, pen saves. If it does happen, is eight and ten penalties are scored? I think we said back way back in game week one, and it's just one of those examples of when it does go. You know, when it spectacularly becomes a save, like you just get richly rewarded, don't you?
1: Yeah, it is kind of ridiculous and I guess we've had, that's definitely a a lightning striking moment and I guess the Maguire season-ending injury is definitely a a lightning striking uh, moment in another sense. So look, I'm I'm happy I got the rub of the green with that this week anyway. And obviously Mendy and Rudiger, who I did play, who obviously has banked so far, um, have a game to go against Arsenal. So hopefully that uh, gives them something. I'm not too optimistic though. I have Luke Shaw, Alexander Arnold has the seven, Jota has the three so far. Now, this is where the key detail for me is, is that I've captained Salah. I did not go with Bruno. So far, Bruno is on 11 after two games, and Salah is on six after one game, but only playing two. So I'm hoping for Salah to reel in Fernandez in a game against Man United. it's it's tough but with Maguire injured look it's basically I'm hoping for Salah to score Mm. and Fernandez not to score do you know that that's effectively the it's a fairly simple game now isn't it yeah yeah it's fairly it's a fairly simple scenario I'm looking for but it's hard to know it's just hard to know um I've I've got Fernandez anyway in the team Greenwood is obviously great to have in the side you know I I was getting a bit sour grapes earlier because I did consider captaining him and then I eventually went for Salah but like Come on, you know, I could be getting real sour grapes with everything. Kane and a Nacho, I've mentioned. So, yeah, there you go. That's my 84 minus four.
2: Nice one. Um, I'm on 85. Um, I took two uh, free chances this week. I'm counting my lucky stars, to be honest. I had it on Maguire until Friday afternoon, probably about four o'clock, and then topped it to me, whenever I posted my team. Swapped it to Nacho then. And I mean, okay, I'm a bit disappointed Nacho only got nine pointer, but I'm much more glad about that having that nine points times two than one point times two it's been okay um I've uh, I bought Maguire um basically for the same reasons that um uh, Anthony mentioned and I didn't play Mitchell because I didn't think he'd play that's a six point swing from doing that and plus a transfer wasted I guess um but the other transfer has been pretty good. So I did really good to Maguire. And to, to afford that, I did Bamford out for Benteke. Now, I know I was waxing lyrical about El Ghazi last week, just being 5.2 and all. Uh, but Benteke is just 5.5. And I figured that, well, to be honest, I thought that Palace had the best double game week, which, yeah, why didn't you play uh, Mitchell, you idiot? Uh, but Benteke, I thought, well, those two fixtures he could attack. And I noticed that he'd had a decent, um, or he'd done decently in terms of his acting numbers over the last one, six weeks, this the last week's pod so I kind of thought, well, you know, I'm sick of Paddy B for the time being, I'll just have a punt on this guy, and it looks like he's done alright, I think I'm 15 points out of him for the double game which is pretty damn good to be honest, for a 5.5 um, elsewhere you know, having Greenwood's been fine having Bruno uh, you know, I hope he misses a penalty against against Liverpool and gets a red card at least um, but I mean, you know, but it's by the by it's not been the best double game week in the world um, thus far, but 83 with six players to go, Yeah, let's hope I get over the 100 mark and hope that um, Bruno keeps quiet. I think next week again, I'm going to hope to get a better captain because I did captain again, actually. And obviously 18 points is just not, not, not really what I wanted that Newcastle game, especially the implosion for Leicester was very, very annoying. But what can you do? Sometimes things happen in this game and you can't really anticipate them. You can't legislate for them. And that was one of them. So he's going to be sold next week. Spoiler. Right. Let's move on to the main topic this week. So, no market forces, a bit pointless to do um, just because, obviously, you know, at the moment, um, the game week's still ongoing. And in terms of the responses to everything that happens, I'm guessing the market's holding its breath uh, before Thursday's kind of uh, conclusion of the double game week, triple game week, I should say. Um, so instead, we're going to move on to price predictions. So, obviously, as I said earlier on, we we're recording on a, in a weird situation, first time this season where we've recorded without the game week being over. So in lieu of that, we thought we'd just happen to have an open conversation following on from last week, you know, following on from that 200 club. Um, we're not having an exhausting, exhaustive look at the player list, Some, maybe some key men, um, but we're going to be speculating on price changes and price predictions for next year. And um, obviously, I've got to put a note here, all speculation, of course, we're just indulging in a bit of navel-gazing in this mid-game week pod, which will hopefully be a bit of fun, especially if you remember our guesses and... Uh, comment on how we're in the slurry um, come next year's opening Uh, we're not going to speculate I don't think too much on transfers in on this one either because obviously we don't know and it might be a bit of a waste of air time Uh, let's start I guess uh, in terms of uh, with that kind of 200 club apex which is the premium midfielders um, because well I mean if you look at it as you've noted last week, three out of four of those in the 200 club arm infielders, Fernandez, Son and Salah. So Adam, I mean, how do you think they're going to be positioned next year? Is Salah still going to be top billing?
0: Well, it's interesting. So I think with uh, how the season started, and I think there was a prediction amongst a lot of people, I think uh, the three of us probably included that there will be more penalties uh, this season than there have been before. And I think some people were predicting uh, Bruno Fernandes to break the 300 club, let alone the sort of 200 club. Um, We've seen sort of his points in that respect dry up a little bit recently. Uh, I think he's going to have to be at least equal uh, with the top price midfielder. Uh, He's certainly been the object of FOMO. I think probably most in uh, FPL this season. At least he has for me. Like it's the reason I've kept him this long. It's the reason I kept him through that barren run is that it's like, oh, well, you know, man, you I could, could just win a penalty at any time. You never know. And you're on the end of a Bruno goal and three bonus points. So um, I think mm. he's got to be top price next season.
2: I think he's low key been the seller of this year. I think he, maybe it's something we'll come back to Anthony in the end of season pod, but you know, with that 10.5 million, start of season price tag he was kind of priced just a bit below wasn't he that sort of ultra premium level and with that sort of discount I think we actually said didn't we at the start of this season it was all a bit of a discount um he's really kind of exploded that um admittedly of course it ha- there have been a lot of penalties as intimated especially at the start of the season but nonetheless the all-round play means that you know, that 11.5 we've got at the moment, I think that that, is is going to be around that or maybe it'll go up to sort of 12.
1: Yeah, actually, just when you mentioned the penalties, actually, we broke through the record number of penalties in a season, actually just this game week. And I think when we were looking at forecasts earlier in the season, we thought that that could happen, you know, in the mid game week 20, I'll make up a number 27 or 28 or something. But the fact that it was, you know, pretty much close to the tail end of the season that that, I think it was 116 was broken. Um, kind of tells you that there was a huge slowdown in the number of penalties and of course that did slow down Bruno and I think Bruno in general just hasn't been as explosive in open play as he was as well I think teams have copped on to the fact that he takes an awful lot of shots from long range and you need to close him down you know very urgently 30 yards out um, as much as you might have to close him down if he was 8 yards out so yes at the same time I would expect Bruno to be on par with the most expensive players now last season that most expensive in terms of midfielders Was Salah and Mane, they were both at 12, and then KDB and Sterling came in at 11.5. And as you say, Tom, Bruno was at a significant discount at 10.5. His price has risen to 11.5, which I think, you know, not to get into supply and demand too much, but that shows (laughs) you that there is demand for him at 11.5. And I would think that with that in mind, he would be at least 11.5, if not the full 12 next year. And I, that's what you're getting at really by comparing him to Salah as Mr. Dependable, that if anyone was to deserve that 12 mil, uh, well, along with Salah, because at the end of the day, whilst it's been a disappointing season, he's still churning out the goals that you think it will be those two who would be 12.
2: I think it would be interesting to see what they do with Fernandez, because as we noted, I think as Lucy noted last week on the pod, Salah obviously will, could go over the olympics it sounds like he really is interested in doing that and then the afcom so that might mean that he is slightly out of the running next year which may mean that bruno kind of has a bit of a hegemony i suppose as as a kind of the sole uh, premium pick in that midfield. maybe kevin de bruyne will come back for another year um, you know maybe we'll see you know mane as i mentioned last week he was a bit he's been a rubbish this season sterling etc cetera, etc cetera.
0: Yeah, I think, I think you're right, because like you say, you list off the kind of um, midfielders in a similar kind of bracket at the moment. You're looking at Kevin De Bruyne, you're looking at Sterling, uh, Aubameyang, I can't believe you forgot to mention him. They've all really disappointed. So yeah, there's not really anyone within that kind of million price uh, price point of Bruno at the moment that you can see uh, superseding
1: him. Okay, we've mentioned then Abamyang. he snuck his way in there and he's definitely one of those falling stars that it's kind of worth getting to, like these players who we don't expect to maintain the prices. I would say Mane falls into that category as well. The discussion I remember in the pre-season uh, price reaction pod was the fact that Salah and Mane were both 12 at the same time meant that we thought that Salah had an edge over him. I don't think that there's going to be. I think that they're going to have to price Mane seriously down to account for the fact that he's had a poor season. And when I say seriously down, I mean ten million, perhaps.
2: Wow, I'd be really surprised and be buying him all day long if that was the case. Um, I,
1: I think about what Son was. This, you know, going into this.
2: Yeah, I know what you mean. I I think that because the the fact is that Son had never had that two hundred point season, whereas Mane had come off the back of two in a row. Um, so I think that maybe the, they'd be regarded as slightly different by FPL, but you're completely right that Marnie's had one of those seasons and he said so himself actually. Um, I, I retweeted something today where he said you know he he didn't really understand why he'd had such a bad season and the underlyings is just so good for him. He, he's just been on a cold streak. But yeah, 148 points this year. That's in line with you know his performance um you know three years ago, um after two kind of Great seasons at 200-plus points. But if Salah is away at at the Olympics at the start of the season and Mane takes that goal-scoring burden at Liverpool, assuming neither of them leaves, I think he could be very, very interesting for the start of the season. Um, And I guess uh, there's also the City boys to mention as well. I mean, um, Sterling, De Bruyne, half-last-season's heroic, got the 11.5. Surely after a season comparatively in the doldrums the two of them in the premium bracket those are going to be players who are going to perhaps see a little bit of value next year especially Sterling like you can imagine him going down to you know 10.5 something like that I couldn't see him going any further than that I couldn't see him becoming a new son because of what he can do but this year has been sort of sorts that surely he is due a slight downgrade
1: yeah, I think having started at eleven point five this season, he'd been eleven in a pre in the season before that, and I think that was that felt realistic at the time. I think given how this season has gone for him at City, I think that ten point five is probably the fairest. Like I, I do agree with you that maybe below that is a bit too low, but any bit above that is too much, and I think KDB kind of you could say the same thing for them. And this kind of reflects just something that's happened with City as a whole. And it's something that you'll see in a lot of the articles that are kind of summarizing City's season now that they've been crowned champions. And it's basically that Gundogan is their top scorer with 12 goals. And that's the lowest top score that any Premier League champion has had so far. Of course, he could you know score a few more and then that, necess- that record wouldn't necessarily stand but that's where they're at right now. But I think I read that they have more players who've scored more than seven or eight goals than any champions ever. Yeah, it's been
2: so shared around. It's it's like talisman theory in the mod, really, where they're concerned, isn't it? It's very much a team effort rather than individual.
1: But at the same time, I think it is also a team that doesn't have a talisman on the pitch, you know, talisman as you would know it, um, as it stands right now. And obviously, that part of that is because they haven't had a recognised number nine starting any games. But likewise, they haven't had someone like Raheem Sterling playing in a role that was necessarily to be the goal scorer. Well, it's interesting because you were talking
0: there about talisman theory being being in the mud, and I guess that kind of moves on to Aubameyang quite nicely. Because I, but there was some podcast I was listening to pre-season. I can't remember which one it was. Probably. Didn't really do much research and just saw Aubameyang's a midfielder. Yeah, he'll he'll be amazing. He'll, he'll, score, the uh, most, he'll score the most points in <laughs> the game. And uh,
1: You should you should probably call these guys out and just tell people not to listen to them I, anymore. I yeah. At least, <laughs> at
0: least <laughs> throw them in the mud is what I'd say. I probably unsubscribed as soon as I heard that, to be honest. Um, but no, Aubameyang, I think, is someone that most people had high expectations for. I certainly started the season with him. I captained him for the first two games, I seem to remember. He's currently sat at, what is it, 11.3, starting the season at 12 million. There's no way he holds that 12 million price tag at all. I would be surprised if he was more than 11. 10.5
2: feels about right for Albany, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I think the 2 million drop just feels really, really steep. I mean, if you look at the sort of raw numbers on him, he's got 10 league goals and two assists. That is a really, really poor return from him. Um, but he will still be that kind of focal point of of the Arsenal attack, I think, and I think that will be kind of factored into the equation when they're pricing up these players. He's still that kind of main guy. When you think of Arsenal's attack, you do tend
1: to think of Aubameyang in terms of goal scoring. True, 30, 32 um, next year. Just yeah, just funny you say. You know, ten goals, to assists. That's uh, Sutek has nine goals, to assist for context.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. Yang, I think you're yeah, probably go the right way uh, with him. Chelsea, I think, are a nice sort of link to the mid-tier um, because Pulisic and Havertz are both 8.3. And I wonder, you know, given the fact that Havertz came obviously among, amongst a lot of fanfare, um, just uh, four goals and six assists for him this year versus a very productive season with Bayer Leverkusen the year before. I wonder if we're going to look at him next year around the same price 8.5 and think he could potentially be a bargain now he's found his feet i am interested in this kind of mid mid-price midfielder category especially when it comes to players like Havertz, because i think that that could provide us with a talisman edge um at great value in terms of those sorts of players another one there is mares at eight million admittedly he has been in and out of the team in the league in the second leg and that brace i think really epitomized how Marius had ascended to being part of peps 18 this year rather than being kind of the awkward b-team player who had that huge price tag so i think he and Havertz next year could be really really interesting um what do you guys think about those two players and the mid-price mids um in general Um adam what, what, what do you reckon here
0: I think uh, I think the Maras uh, shout is a really really interesting one. He's it's funny when we were talking about Marnie earlier. I think they've both got the same amount of league goals, and Moris isn't really talked about in that kind of same uh, that same kind of bracket. But I think the inevitable potential city rotation will probably be priced into him. I think maybe uh, when when the prices come out pre season, something I think uh, we quite often get caught off guard by is the kind of price increase from players who have had uh pretty pretty good seasons that maybe those mid table clubs suddenly get a hike up into this kind of 7 million 7.5 million bracket and I think for me the from a midfielder perspective the big example of that was Ryan Fraser that season at Bournemouth when him and Callum Wilson were that dynamic duo I think he got uh, 181 points he got seven goals and 14 assists yeah mental and, yeah he I think he started that season at 5.5 million and the next season he was 7.5 million so that 2 million price bracket uh, price jump sorry was really really significant and when you think about 7.5 million for a team like Bournemouth who I guess at the time were that sort of mid-table side that's a, that's a lot of money Um. Sort of thinking about maybe Rafinha could be in that bracket next season. He's not had quite the same uh, statistical return, but he, he's got that expected lively points that uh, that we all like to see. He looks so involved, so threatening. If he even stays at Leeds, that is next season. I think um, I think seven to seven point five wouldn't be too too unrealistic. I don't know if you guys think I'm wrong there.
1: No, I think I definitely agree with that. That's uh, 7.5 is what Jack Grealish came in on this season. And I think he would have been a player who hadn't up to that point re-delivered in terms of points. Obviously this season he was fantastic, but he certainly had that expected lively, as we say, and got that 7.5 price tag, which he has met as well in kind of Fraser-esque numbers, albeit with far, far, far less uh, minutes, that he had uh, six goals and 12 assists so far this season. He might add to that if he manages to get back on the pitch in time. And so, yeah, I think that's a fair uh, price tag to talk about. And I think the the likes of James Madison will be one that has fallen into that bracket as well in the past, who I would expect to be there as well. His teammate, Harvey Barnes as well, would be similar. Now that said, I'm looking at uh, Mason Greenwood. He was in that category and he's kind of the player of choice in that category right now. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him get a wee bit of a hike further up, along with perhaps the likes of... Uh, Phil Foden, who's obviously hasn't necessarily got the points in the league, but at the same time, obviously, is starting to really nail his way into that first choice, City eleven in a way that you wouldn't have seen before. And I'd be interested to know how high Gundawan goes as well. They're going to have to price a rotation in for players like Gundogan, as we've said about Mares, But how high will he go? I'm wondering, he should probably be at that 7, 7.5 bracket as well, after what we've seen.
2: Yeah, just I think with those sorts of players, they're in the sort of, if if they played every game, they would get the nine million sort of brackets, wouldn't they? I mean, that that just looks like a fair price, I think, for them, especially with Gundawan. I, I just feel like I mean, obviously this year he was a little bit underpriced. <laughs> he was obviously one of those players that they looked at and thought, yeah, defensive fielder And to be fair, we all did as well um and i think that he's been yeah like look he's, he's
1: the fourth highest goal scoring midfield yeah this year. i
2: don't think anybody would have seen that one coming uh, i think anybody who does say they saw that one coming is just just bsing frankly um so i think it'll be interesting to see how they go um, and especially with those players who are as you said, rotation uh rotation hazards i would be very surprised to see them kind of get outside the mid Price mids just because like x mins is always very very important in terms of how you price players, and um, and I guess before we move on to defenders, the cheapies. I want to just move on. I, just, I only want to mention a couple. And um, the first one is Sucek, um, who you mentioned earlier on, Anthony. I mean, obviously he's now kind of descended into a bit of a defensive midfielder role. Um, but I guess over the course of the season, he has shown he's got that goal scoring knack and has shown that you no, know, that 5.0 initial pricing. I can't see that happening next year again, can you? I mean, at the start of the season, if you put him in and just left him there, uh, you'd be you'd be laughing up until recently.
1: Yeah, he, he strikes me as someone who would be in at least 6 million um, starting next season, just on the sheer number of goals alone. I know that doesn't necessarily reflect the position that we're seeing him play now that Lingard has come into that side, especially. But at the same time, they tend to be conservative with their pricing and don't want to have someone too low if they can avoid it. And maybe he was a little bit too low this year um, do you remember well, that poll that was going around and it was like whose fans were the most dissatisfied going into yeah. the season and it was West Ham was the most dissatisfied fan base who thought they were going to get relegated it was real doom and gloom yeah so I definitely think um I think that kind of is likely
0: to buoy his uh boy his price yeah. so yeah I think also in that kind of very low budget midfielder bracket uh not to constantly talk about Arsenal but that is literally all I know about um that's not, not even that much, to be honest. Um, Smith Rowe uh, is, well, what's his price now, 4.2, 4.3? 4. He's, yeah, yeah he's, he was a 4.5-er,
1: basically, yeah.
0: Yeah, he's properly, he was probably in the bargain basement, um, but he's now cemented himself as a starter for Arsenal. So I think you're looking at 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 least sort of 5-5. I know he's not produced consistently in terms of goals and assists. And it's his really. first goal this, this weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, first Premier League goal and he has suffered with injury this season and in the past. So his minutes haven't always been as consistent as um, as you'd like. But I mean, still, 5.5 for someone who you would think would be starting for Arsenal next season is
1: uh, is pretty tempting. Definitely one who I expect will be reclassified as a midfielder next year is Jared Dallas. Just before we move on to the defenders, I think Dallas can't possibly stay as a defender um, in the game next year like he's, it's, he's made a mockery to be perfectly honest with you of that position and I know there was a there was a debate for some people not in my mind but there was a debate for some people about whether it was Dallas or Ayling and whether he'd play in midfield oh, I, and all that sort of I, thing did, did you write an article on this Anthony? I, I forget <laughs> I did I did And did I, Leeds fans were lovely and very complimentary but we disagree about Dallas they said um, but uh, here they are. Dallas is uh, the Cookstown Cafu, as he's known, has uh, carried them to glory with his uh, eight goals and three assists. So he, I don't suspect, will be a defender no more. He has the highest scoring defender right now in the game, 158 points. Now, it's it's been very unusual finding Dallas at the top of the defenders. Now, the, the defender who we would have thought would be up there in that class-apart bracket is Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yes. I think we can continue to expect that. Now, he was obviously... Very highly priced at the start of the season at 7.5. But at the same time, the argument was in all of the preseason discussion was if he was a midfielder and he was 7.5, you'd totally buy him. And uh, do you know what? I think that that still will stay the same. Maybe he'll get knocked down to seven, but I don't see it getting any lower than that. Um, In spite of everything, he's second for chance created amongst defenders in the second half of this season, uh, just behind Luke Shaw. Um, But I wouldn't even expect Luke Shaw to be up there with Alexander-Arnold, considering that... Just he has a bit more pedigree at that level and is an all round better FPL prospect, I think, still.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, I just still think it's mind boggling that Trent's only managed five assists this year. I mean, that is just one of those things that's really hard to foresee. Like, if you're able to sit there and think, you know, all right, Liverpool have won everything now. They've won the Champions League, they've won the Premier League. So clearly, they're not going to be able to sustain the motivation. But there's so many levels of that 4D chessboard that I think that if you were somebody who called that, then congratulations to you. I really want to figure out your stock picks for the next five years. Um, But the reality is that, as you said, the, the underlying is there for Trent. And just for whatever reason has happened this year, obviously there was COVID involved. It looks like he had COVID earlier on in the season, I believe. I think maybe that did have a little bit of an adverse impact. But I mean, looking at the total points this year, it really is um, an interesting place, that's for sure, where you've got, as you said, misnomer, misassigned defender, Stu Dallas at 5.2, followed by Wan-Bissaka, uh, Cresswell... Ruben Diaz, those are the top four. I mean, maybe Diaz, you'd be looking at him and thinking, okay, that kind of makes sense. You know, City's some central defender. They're always going to have that running clean sheets throughout the season. 5.5 was pretty decent. Um, but I think it'd be very difficult to find anybody who'd have um, thought that Dallas, AWB, and Cresswell would be the top three. Um, but defense has been very hard to call. So could this have an impact next year on the pricing?
1: I suspect that you'll still find that they pricing structure breaks down in a similar way to what we've seen in previous years so I think we we all kind of accepted that TA would be that seven I suspect that Robo won't keep the seven price tag and will drop down just that little bit maybe to 6.5 I think that will kind of make for a good Argument between the two, and it would also offset the fact that you'd expect so many midfielders to be in that, like, really kind of let's say lower elite price tag of around 10, 10.5 that we've talked about. So, I think they kind of need to find to make a little bit of space somewhere. And I think the defense is where they could do that and just take things down a little bit from what you'd expect a manager to be putting into defense. And so, TA seven, Robo 6.5, and then I think you're looking at an awful lot of the DS type characters who would be at that six or 6.5, uh, depending. I think six would be just fine, but we have seen it in previous years that, you know, dependable defender, let's say a Virgil van Dyke type character in a very well set defense, uh, you might expect to be at that price. So you obviously have uh, the other city defenders as well with Cancelo, Walkers and Chenko Stones that you'd expect to be kind of north of 5.5, if not six in a kind of conservative set themselves up way. But you would also expect Chelsea to kind of have similar prices across the board because Chelsea have actually got as many clean sheets as Man City this year. And that's actually kind of mad to think when you consider how um, all over the place the defence seemed at times under frank lampard for them to have got to that point they've conceded six more goals but they're not too far off them and rudiger has obviously been the really really cheap route into that defense this season and we've been quite fortunate in that sense with price structures and things i wouldn't expect that to continue and i think whatever diaz gets rudiger should get as well so that's six basically but then you've got the likes of reese james Chilwell, even even as well that you would think would be around that price. But the thing with James and Chilwell is that they do offer that little bit more going forward, especially James, if you can nail down his place. He's um, ridiculously productive in terms of uh, chances created. Like Even accepting the fact that he hasn't been in the Chelsea lineup consistently at all, since Christmas, he's about 10th for a chance created among defenders, which I thought was quite remarkable, actually. But the really interesting thing with
0: Chelsea defenders has been they feel like they've each had their little... Moment in the sun this season, like I think Zuma sort of yeah, back in game week four when he had, I think he went sort of on a really hot oh, That was of... uh, when Nick brought him in. It was... it was insane, and then it sort of felt like he passed the baton on to Chilwell for a little bit as well. And Reese James has kind of popped up every now and then, and Rudiger obviously providing the value, like you say, Stag, and uh, some idiots like me went for Laquetta, which has been nothing but a disaster really now towards the end of the season, but. I think we've seen under Tuchel the defence has certainly solidified from the kind of relative chaos that we saw under Frank Lampard so I think they'll all receive a pretty hefty bump next season.
1: Yeah, the thing is actually it's, uh, for me anyway it's a real question whether Man United defenders are at that price as well because like they've United have been fine. Their defensive numbers are always fine. They're always, let's say, top three in terms of shots in the box and xGc and all these sorts of things. But at the same time, like only thirteen clean sheets is—it's uh, an awful lot less than you'd expect. That said, I, I think you always seem to find that United players tend to have, uh, especially defenders, would tend to have a, a bit of a bump in price more than you might expect. And uh, Harry Maguire is kind of the anchor to that defense. You would think will at least keep the five point five that he had that this season. If he keeps 5.5, and it's the likes of Shaw and Wan-Bissaka, who would be more likely, I think, given their attacking output, uh, to get that six. Uh, is obviously up there in terms of the most points for defenders this year. Shaw yeah. has nailed his place as the season went on more and more and has been the better one in terms of underlying stats for that latter half of the season and in terms of ownership as well. So I would think that both of them have a good shout of being a six and whichever one is the cheaper of the two is going to be the one that's in most of our teams.
2: I think we saw um, back in 20, I think it's 2017, 18, uh, that year where Phil Jones was 4.5 and was playing. And then suddenly, you know, the United defense reached a snowball effect where there was obviously you've got United fans who buy those defenders. Plus you know they started keeping clean sheets. I think that's on the Mourinho, wasn't it? And they got kind of five clean sheets in a row at the start of the season. Um you get to a point where you have to own your nice defense to cover yourself. This year hasn't quite happened, um, but I think um, you know next year. I, there's always going to be the fact that those defenders are going to be on the threshold. And I think, as Anthony said, they're always going to pri- priced fairly highly. I mean, unless uh, the likes of the Twanzebe kind of gets into the team, I suspect they're all going to be looking at you know five or five point five. I can't really be seeing them um, doing anything other than that. I think we should probably visit goalkeepers quickly. I mean, we, we had a couple of years, didn't we? Uh, where we, the, the premium keeper kind of came into view slightly. Um, but you know, last year with Nick Pope and this year with Emmy Martinez and Ilan Melier as well. And um, we've got a question on the goalkeepers in a little bit on the question. So I'm not going to go too deeply into it. Um, but this year, it, it really has been the year of the budget keeper. I mean, it would be interesting to see what they do uh, with that, whether... I'm fairly sure, as the guys have said, that uh, Martinez will get a hike. Um, Will Melier get a hike to 5.0? Probably. Um, So we're looking at the dregs again uh, to find that 4.5 million hero. Um, But there's always going to be one. There'll always be kind of a player around that sort of price that allows you to just make your way upwards. And um, I'm yet to be convinced whether we should be paying more um, than 4.5 for a goalkeeper. Um, But just looking at, finally, the players who are trying to put the ball past the goalkeeper, it is the forwards. And this year, I think, as Nick noted on the last poll, actually, um, it's, been, it's been a tough one um, because uh, we have been looking at uh, you know, 3-5-2 a lot of the time. We have been kind of struggling on a lot of occasions to find a third forward. There's always been the case of, you know, you're looking at Kane and uh, Bamford. You're looking at, you know, perhaps Vardy fitting in alongside lots like, so of Watkins. It's not really been the case that it's been a consistent third forward throughout the course of the season. And that's been shown within the points, Kane up there um on uh, in the 200 club and beyond that it's Bamford and Vardy and then Calvert-Lewin and Watkins the 150s it's not really the most fruitful source in terms of positions or points this year um maybe said that about defenders as well it has been one of those years last week's pod uh, where points have been a bit uh, a bit fell on the ground uh, in terms of uh, their distribution um the next year, I guess, Adam, you've got to be looking at Harry Kane and thinking that outside of any arrivals to the Premier League, perhaps a striker and um, who isn't Harry Kane at City, surely he's going to be looking at the 12, 12.5-ish. He's no longer
0: Harry Kane, number one DM, is he? He's certainly looking like he's going to be sort of standing out there by himself in, in that kind of super premium, if you want to call it, that striker bracket. Looking around, kind of wondering where the likes of sort of Van Percy and Aguero from seasons past have gone. You're thinking maybe the next highest price. Who are we thinking? Uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin could get a bit of a kind of Jimenez. Uh, that was one for you there. Stag, that was Z pronunciation. Um, like sort of price rise for DCL maybe coming in at eight point five. Werner, obviously not had the best uh, season in terms of goal returns. Uh, In all competitions, he's kind of posted double figures for goals and assists, but in the Premier League, we haven't really seen him sort of show that that real finishing, or not finishing ability because he was a bit hot and cold, the goal-scoring ability, let's say, from the Bundesliga. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a really interesting dynamic next season where we do see Kane kind of out on his own and maybe then the next highest forward isn't, maybe we're looking at sort of 9 million for Werner. I think um, I think that would be a fairly reasonable idea. What about you, Snow?
1: Yeah, I think I'd agree with you that we'll see Kane standing out. Uh, I know we're avoiding going into new signings, but we will expect City to sign a new striker. And I would expect whoever that is, because it will probably be a big name to not necessarily have the same price as Kane, who you think will be 12 or 12.5, but you would expect that City striker if it's a player who's expected to play week in, week out, to be at least 11.5, but that's hypothetical and I'll move away from that. If Rashford was reclassified, I think likewise he'd be around that price, or if Greenwald was reclassified, they'd give him a, a good uh, font upwards? Cavani has obviously stayed, but I think they'll price in the fact that they wouldn't expect him to play too consistently in that eight-ish Price would be fair for him. And that eight-ish price is, I think, where we're going to see quite a few players um, next season. Uh Werner, I don't think I'll see him going down at all anywhere near that yeah, so yeah. it'd be a 10-ish, whatever Vardy was the start of this season, I think it was mm. 10 as well. I suspect that'll be fair for him. But that eight-ish million is kind of where they put an awful lot of the mid-table team strikers who've proved themselves to some extent. So, like what Danny Yings and raul Jimenez were this year. Uh, you'd expect to find the likes of DCL and Bamford uh, next season. I think Lacazette will keep around that price as well, because, in spite of everything, he's still managed to pick up a few goals. Richardison, likewise, you could kind of say the same for, and even Mikel Antonio would be in and around that bracket, as far as I'm concerned. And then you will find a fall off to where you find the kind of the other characters who'll be at 6.5 ish. And that's kind of really the, the Watkins, Wilson, Wood, Adams zone. You know, players the mope even that these are players that you expect <laughs> to sometimes do well. The
2: walking Zone that, that just feels rife with disappointment and talentlessness, doesn't it? Really, um, it, it,
1: it's it's I think what is about those is that their time comes and their time goes. You yeah, know that, that yeah. there's there's, there's yeah. a five week period where you're like, oh, fixtures are great, better Absolutely. get Adams, and then oh, the Chris Wood time has arrived. The overall trend
2: though, over the last few years is that the investment in terms of your team has receded over the course of the last few years. So I remember back in you know 2014, 2015, you'd be throwing everything into your forwards. And you would have your Lukaku, your Kane, your Kuniguero, your Van Persie, even further back than that. Everything was on the strikers. And over the last few years, everything has kind of been steadily moving backwards. Where you've had your midfielders especially, I mean the midfielders where you can put most majority of your bracket of your budget these days. Um and the defence has received a sort of higher form of um, recognition, I think, than ever before in terms of, you know, big at the back, uh, with Nick's pet theory and so on and so forth. And the forwards really have fallen off, haven't they? If, if the same players are going to be looking around a nine-ish sort of mark. I mean, if we are, if it is Kane, he's basically standing out on his own, at being around kind of 11.5, it's really interesting to think about the structure of pricing just in general. Because if the forwards are... Sort of a mishmash around sort of the eight nine sort of point, then basically you're kind of corralled perhaps into thinking, okay, I'm going to have a cane at eleven ish, probably a pookie. All right, he's coming up again. Probably going to be six point five. Let's face it, and then you're kind of thinking, does the whole game lend itself? to a 3-5-2 now is that the new vogue Anthony with how everything is kind of looking
1: yeah but I I do feel like a very odd set of circumstances has kind of occurred to all of the players or all of the forwards who started this season at 9.0 and upwards so Martial has really fallen off Uh, Firmino has been more disappointing than ever Jesus hasn't delivered as expected Werner ditto Aguero hasn't played and then you've got Vardy and Kane so like there is going to be Let's say they'll they'll have five or six players in that nine plus category, and I suspect that we won't have them disappoint like they have this year again. Um Just uh, law of averages would dictate that there's going to be more demand for those nine point oh nine point five forwards again. That they will start scoring because it has been very odd to see I've, the way they'll, they'll have
2: them. their time in the sun, as Adam said. I just mm, I, just, I, just I just suspect that we'll... whether it's going to be. Um, you know, sustainable in some ways. I mean, obviously Kane has had a comeback year, as you said last week. It's just whether there's there's going to be a point where you're going to be looking at free forwards, given the fact there's always. Going to, I feel like it's an embarrassment of riches in the midfield. That that's what kind of makes me think. Mm, really?
1: Yeah, like I think things have been pushed towards the three five two or even a four five one. Sometimes um, in the last few years, with there being kind of so many, there are a few. Top defenses that were kind of churning out the clean sheets that might even tempt you into a double up, Uh, and City, I think, likewise, you could say that for again because, Mm. fact of the matter was, there was so much rotation always going on with their City attackers that the double up at the back was safer to just try and deliver the points each week. So, with that in mind, even four five one could be a thing, the three five two. But I I do agree that it'll be you'll be hard pressed to find, but but it always happens, doesn't it? That we always have people starting the season the traditionalists start with their power seven players and basically set themselves up to pivot off one of those strikers who inevitably disappoints in the first few game weeks of the season
0: well I think I think that's right I think it does just make me think of some of those strikers that we've been talking about Bamford and Watkins they've both come up from the championship and I don't think it would be too surprising if like I was talking about the parallel to uh Rafinha and Fraser earlier if Bamford in particular got a kind of Wilson-esque price rise he's got 15 goals 10 assists this season which I don't think anyone was expecting going into it so I I can imagine him getting
1: up to sort of 7 million I don't know if that would be I don't think that's too high For Bamford You mean the fact that Ng started this season at 8.5 that seems to be the type of price range that you'd expect to find a a forward who can get let's say well into the double figures for goals and near double figures for assists um, from a mid-table team and so 8.5 8, 8.5 would be where I would think that you'll find uh, Bamford personally. Below that it seems a little bit risky, given that put Raul Jimenez in that category as well. That said, I feel like Vardy, or Bamford has really stuck out. You know, he is the one that we thought could make the 200 club out of the strikers that we saw, and that Leeds team kind of was set up for it. The other strikers who have maybe got similar amounts of goals as him, but not necessarily the same amount of FPL points, are the likes of Watkins. I wouldn't see them getting that high. I think he could be 7, 7.5 at most. Yeah, they don't tend to put talentless players that kind of high, normally do they? (laughs)
2: I I, I do think, though, if if Watkins does um, get a fairly kind price tag next year, he could be really interesting just because, I mean, it is rare, isn't it, that a striker comes up um, completely new uh, from the Championship as well um, and he gets over 150 points, 13 goals and 8 assists this season. And if you think about how unlucky he's been over the course of the year, the amount of crossbars, the amount of disallowed goals, the amount of X, Y, and Z meaning he's had um returns ruled out. I think Watkins could definitely be an interesting player um ahead of next year. I think he's one of those who's a bit under uh a bit underrated, especially if Grealish, who didn't quite mention in the midfielders, does come back um and is at Villa next year. I think if those two are together um from the start of the year, he could be really, really interesting. Um I mean, there's quite a few players we haven't mentioned and we're not going to in the interest of time, like the Wood and the likes of Antonio, the likes maybe even of Adam Hopcroft's uh, best mate, Wesley. Um, but suffice to say, it's always going to be the case that we're looking at the upper end of the strikers. I think that the lower end of the strikers, unless you get lucky with a promoted uh, forwards um, who is given a 5.5 likes of Bamford next year, um, it's unlikely that it's going to be somebody who is. Um, Um, but yeah there's slightly um, esoteric chat there around certain uh, players and price tags around certain positions Um, one of those that obviously is speculative but hopefully fairly interesting just to listen to and follow we're about to answer listener questions after this who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and it's time to look at the questions this week obviously only a few because we're mid game week Um, the first one is on the beach so um, Andy Penman asks what on the beach updates there are now of teams in the lower and middle reach particularly with all three relegation spots locked in. I mean, Anthony, what do you think the on the beach impact is going to be going forward? Um, are we going to be able to focus on these themes or is it going to be a case of, you know, teams still playing, still teams still kind of having some personal motivation uh, despite the fact they are safe in the Premier League?
1: So I think, on the beach as a whole, I think it's very much still a thing. I think you can say for the the three condemned teams at this point, I think their form has been quite poor. Um, even West Brom, who kind of seem to be putting together some bit of a spirited uh, attempt to try and stay up, that's obviously fallen off. But at the same time, within that West Brom team, you can see a player who has that personal motivation in Pereira. And I think likewise, it seems in the Southampton game, and I've only just caught a little few highlights, that Danny Ings is a player who could you could say something similar for. And I think there is a spot on that plane slash boat slash bus to the Euros for him if he plays his way into that squad in the final few games of the season. So he's the type of player um, who you could still be targeting in spite of the fact that his team, I would still say, are on the beach. The fact that they beat Crystal Palace, a team who were also very much on the beach, like they now have... uh, four defeats in five or three defeats in four. So that will tell you kind of where they're at too. So the, the fact that Danny Ings starred in basically a beach volleyball game against Crystal Palace wouldn't necessarily get you too excited. There are a few other sides who I would say are on the beach. Burnley definitely have slowed down. And I think that there's, they're just not a team you target though. Like they don't tend to get whacked by anybody except for city. And that's a bit of a problem for them. And, I would be very interested to see what happens with Everton and even with Spurs, um, who have slowed down a little bit. Uh, Arsenal as well. Like, oh, like they, You just don't know at this point how a lot of those teams are going to play against other teams who have nothing to play for. It's very unusual that we get to a point in the season where so many teams have nothing to play for, that everything is so sewn up. Um, even the Europa League places seem relatively sewn up at this point if you were just to kind of extrapolate form just a small bit uh, so really kind of comes down to personal judgment and I think it's class that will show through at this point not necessarily form um, which means yeah something like Tansman theory which would say picking the likes of prayer innings would be a good strategy kind of basically fits quite nicely in and that's what I'd be looking at in those final few games for teams who have nothing to play for but playing teams who also have nothing to play for with players who are actually good yeah. Yeah, I think I sometimes find the problem with
0: with the teams on the beach is they flip-flop quite a lot in terms of form. So yep. like you have <laughs> you have a team like Newcastle for example who put in such a listless display against Arsenal and then suddenly turn up the next week and obviously with Newcastle um Their example, they're crying, Wilson, Wilson, because obviously now he's injured. So you've got to look at someone else in that side. Perhaps Joe Willock, who sort of showed up with a few goals since he joined them online, could be an option maybe after this City game.
1: Yeah, I think you're definitely seeing that there are just a few guys who seem to be reliably returning, but at the same time, I think you'd be better off just trying to look at the better teams at this point, are playing teams who are on the beach if you can, rather than trying to uh, get at that flip flop uh, as you say, Adam, because it it is very hard to predict. Um, like Newcastle's form is a classic case in point of that, but so is Southampton's. To be perfectly honest with you as well, that they've had an awful lot of bad games and then you know a good spirited uh, victory, having had a good spirited draw with uh, Leicester or win against was it a win draw against Leicester uh, just a few games ago as well.
2: Uh, is it the case then that you look at um, basically, as you said, the Tasman theory and also the target operation target X as being a viable way going forward? So, you know, for example, next game week, um, there are a couple of games on the roster that people have been mooting and are worth looking at. I know it's blank game week, but Sheffield United away against Everton, that could be one. Um, so Dominic calvert Lewin could be in people's minds. Luca Dean, who didn't mention earlier on, of course, be in people's minds. And obviously, um, you know, uh, obviously West Brom as well, um, are at home to Liverpool. Um so there could be the case that the herd captaincy could be on Salah. Um, but there's obviously the likes of Trent there, there's obviously the likes of Cold Street Marnay there, and also the likes of the most annoying player in the Premier League to own at the moment in fantasy football. Diego, Diego Jota, um, also there um, against West Brom. I mean, could it be a case, Adam, of just kind of focusing in on these players um, who are playing against teams who are so condemned, targeting them and hoping that, um, you know, you're able to uh, be on the right side of a rampant performance?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think in, even watching the Arsenal game against West Brom, they put up a sort of relatively spirited performance for a bit, but Sam Allardyce sat on the, on the bench. It looked like he couldn't give less of a crap if he tried. I mean, so I think they're definitely a side I'd, uh,
1: I'd be looking at and umbrella yeah. up low magazine, very much across the eyes, sunglasses on over those eyes as well, taking in the rays, that type of position.
0: Yeah. He looks like, he looks like he sees a whole pack of chewing gum in his mouth before every single game. And, his only goal for that match is to work his way through it until the minty flavor is completely eradicated. But um <laughs> uh yeah so definitely West Brom and Sheffield United I think I think are sides that uh that we should be looking at
1: targeting. Yeah like if you look at the form table um last six games form table Fulham are the worst they've one point in the last six like It's dreadful. Uh, In terms of goal conceded, though, yeah, the other sides are up there with them. Basically, there's there's quite a few teams who've conceded uh, 11 or 12 or 10 goals in recent weeks. But Fulham are the ones who are dependably doing it and managing to lose themselves games, which is why I think that you could throw Danny Ings um, into the equation for players that you might be looking at for this week with Southampton at home to that Fulham side.
2: I definitely agree with that. I I think the one that I'm looking at, obviously, is Calvert-Lewin. We've said it a few times this year, is that um, Ings, from the 6.0 mark up to the 8.5, did make him a really kind of awkward fix uh, around that sort of point and I'm definitely seeing that now that I'd love to get Danny Ings in especially after tonight's performance um, but it looks like calvert Lewin's going to have to be the one against Sheffield United to hopefully do a similar job um, but nonetheless it does sound like there's a definite impact in terms of on the beach it's just how that's going to impact the other teams. so you know as I said earlier on People looking at Southampton, thinking, "Oh, these guys got the bucket and spades out." Um, but they have managed to kind of score uh, you know, three goals against Crystal Palace. Man- uh, Danny's has gotten the thirteen-point haul. Uh, they won a sandcastle.
1: They won a the sandcastle competition. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and as you said earlier on, it's going to be the case that maybe we're going to home in on the talisman sort of element of things to get things going, and there's obviously there's obviously going to be those individual motivations as well. Um so the likes of Lingard, who I did write off last week, so the streak was over, and then as soon as the triple game week kind of news came out, he did stay in my team. So now I'm I'm flipping that narrative, um, Adam and Anthony. I'm saying that. Lingard's going to be playing uh, for his future and um, playing for a move ahead of next, next year. So, yeah, his streak may be over. He may have got another blank. Um, but ahead of Brighton, West Brom and Southampton over the last three, I'm thinking, you know what? Because he happens to be in my team, um, he's going to be thinking to himself, yeah, yeah, you know, if I do well over the last three games, I'm going to be A in the England team and B looking at it, either a good new, good move or... Um, a good position back at Manchester United. So it depends on the narrative you're telling yourself, doesn't it?
1: If you lived in a less ideal world, Tom, and you weren't so fortunate to have Jesse Lingard in your team and you were just sitting there with no West Ham players right now, would you be like, "Mm, I think I'd rather get Mikel Antonio in?
2: I would. I definitely would. But because I probably am not going to be getting Michel Antonio in, in for a couple of weeks, um, I'm going to be telling myself that his hamstrings are as terrible as Callum Wilson's is. Um, so I'm going to be avoiding him for the time being, but I may well be buying in Zladimir um, Schufal or uh, Michael Dawson, Craig Dawson, same person. It, yeah, it really depends on um, kind of how you want to frame it now. I think a lot of the time it is down to sort of the way in which you weave the narratives that make sense for you. Um, so yeah interesting way of looking at on the beach from uh, this point onwards
1: and you mentioned Michel antonio's injuries and stuff and i think that brings us on to our next question because uh a lot of people had brought in maguire that uh, included you tom oh. and were instantly rewarded for that with his injury uh people thought that he'd play every game of course it didn't happen and there was some guy who didn't realize he was going to be on a podcast <laughs> uh, called adam pritchard who asked whether there were any defenders worth bringing in to replace the aforementioned Harry Maguire ahead of the run-in and so Adam Pritchard what do you think um, in answer to Adam Pritchard's question yeah, right, sorry guys, I'll take this one. You, you sort
0: of take five. I think there's
2: going to be a first, hasn't it? Where some some guy who's asked the question is <laughs> up on the podcast answering his own
0: question. that's going
1: to be a landmark. Right. Genuinely though, please help me. Seriously, I've got no idea what I do to do. <laughs> okay, I'll 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 bring you along for a second here, and I um had put together a small bit of uh, thought on that question when I saw Adam Pritchard asking a question. I thought, my God, I I need to help this man. I um, didn't think I'd be talking. So, first of all, I think what you need to look at is see where Liverpool's heads are at. And fortunately, you have another game in this game week to figure out where Liverpool are at with such a good run of fixtures ahead West Brom, Burnley, Crystal Palace. Doubling up on that Liverpool defence might not necessarily be a bad idea, presuming you have Trent like the rest of us. I personally am keen on Everton, but at the same time, if you look at clean sheets in the last 10 ish game weeks, I think they are second or third. They have like six which is actually quite good and more than you'd actually expect them to have. City are obviously the obvious team with an obvious upside, but the problem is, is, like you just don't know who's going to play. City have the Champions League final to be getting concerned about, so you just don't know who's going to be staying in that side. And so with that in mind, ugh. but Leeds, they have the fixtures, don't they? Dallas is the best, but you've got Llorente as well there in a much kind of cheaper way. Uh, those Leeds fixtures, Burnley away, Southampton away, and West Brom at home, I think all pretty plumb. And of course, like that's, Yeah, definitely one team on the beach versus the other teams on the beach. But, you know, the man bun lads are usually the guys who are winning the games of beach volleyball. And I suspect that that might be the case in those final game weeks weeks of the season as well. And West Ham, um, I would say I would throw Soufal into the agenda. I don't think I think he's found his way out of an awful lot of teams. Um, Rightly so, because the fixtures are turning against them. Soufal managed to keep going and picked up quite a few assists, even though West Ham themselves were conceding goals in most of their games. But with Brighton away, West Brom away, and Southampton at home, I think there's a few options there that would save you a bit of coin as well to invest elsewhere with the blank.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've got um, two players to get rid of: uh, Maguire and Castagne next week um, in order to fund Calvert Lewin. Yes, I'm taking a minus eight spoilers again, um, but I completely am behind what Anthony has said. Um, I'm. Definitely looking at Dallas just coming in just as a no-brainer, really, to enjoy his out-positionness um, over the last three game weeks. I mean, he over the last six games has been the second highest scoring player with 36 points um, in defence, and Leeds has uh, you know last three games in terms of the run in. There's nothing to really fear about that. Um, it's Burnley away, Southampton away, and West Brom at home. Fantastic beach volleyball players, uh, players that I'll be looking to buy, that's for sure. And uh, Shufal, um, Shufal with a C, that is, um, is the other one that I'm looking to bring in as well. Um, So he's got four assists over the last six, uh, top for defenders. And I think that he, in of himself, um, is one of those players who uh, really benefits uh, when West Ham do have a, a, a fixture uh, which sees them on the defensive, uh, sees them playing the counter-attacking game. Um, he's got that fantastic engine, actually, if you watch him play. He's very, uh, I think he's one of those players that, um, for whatever reason, maybe it's because West Ham got that kind of Czechia, uh, uh tip-off uh, from Suchek, uh, perhaps uh, has hit the top level a bit late in his career. He is uh, fairly old, and if you watch him, in terms of how old he looks, my God, he looks like he's 35. So i the become kind of a guy buying kebab off, um, in the, uh, about 2am in the morning, doesn't he? Um, but Bryson away, uh, West Brom away and Southampton at home. And um, I think that those are three games that West Ham are really going to benefit from. Um, especially, the, you know, the two, there's going to be two get there's two games in there, um, where they're going to be playing on the counter, uh, West uh, Bryson and West Brom. And I think that he could be a very, very good asset to sign. Um, those are two, um, but if there is any price rise action, um, old Craig Dawson, I think, probably be the one that I bring in. Otherwise, um, he last end of last season and throughout seasons in the past as well, um, a really fantastic record in terms of getting on the end of any set piece. I think there's a point in the season, maybe around game 20 or so, um, when he and uh, S- uh, Suchek were kind of getting each other's way in terms of trying to get on the end of those uh, bone and crespo peaches into the box. Um, so he could be one who's very really interesting, especially uh, with Brighton and having no dunk um, to try to defend against him. And, and So those would be players that I'd be looking at
1: call this very very spurious Uh, it's very spurious uh, no but yeah thank you Tom So this is a very spurious theory that I'm going to suggest here but I do think that a player like um, him who'd be quite good on corners might get that little bit more space when defenders are just that little bit more switched off and they're on the beach and they're thinking of that trip to Dubai after they've got two COVID tests uh, clear to go on their trip and I think that's where someone like him could actually pick up a goal in these final few weeks of the season where it was harder to get in those earlier weeks when people were a bit more tuned in
2: exactly and proud Irishman Declan Rice um, could well be back um, for the last few games of the season
1: thanks very much Tom I'll see you later
2: Right, uh, next thing is keeper concerns. So there have been a few kind of conversations about goalkeepers flying around. I think people who are facing up to having no goalkeeper in the blank game week of 36 um, especially are asking these sorts of questions. So uh, Ashe Mehta and Orsmo, FPL, um, a good friend of the pod, are looking at goalkeepers. Uh, the former um, is looking at Melier as an obvious pick and uh, Osmo is looking to get rid of Schmeichel and is looking at Pickford, but both of them come with interesting double ups uh, so Asher says you know Melier, he's going to have to get him and also Dallas so she'd be looking at that and uh, Orsimo is looking at Pickford and also Luca Dean um, so could we trust that double up to come I think personally you know Pickford and Dean uh, against uh, Sheffield United maybe with like Torvald and Dean against uh, against the ice I think that would be worth, well worth looking into um, but I mean, what do you guys think I mean Adam goalkeeper wise it's not the sexiest of questions obviously
0: Yeah I think Pickford is an interesting one I think actually his form sort of from an eye test perspective has improved recently but the problem with Jordan is—you never know when it's going to go tits up because he is prone to a sort of handling error anytime <laughs> and he can.
2: Oh, that's a very, uh, very niche British reference. That, <laughs> that, that
1: lost on Anthony
2: completely. He's not up <laughs> to that.
1: Is, is there—is this there something from um, ben, the Spice I Girls say, is, era? Is, that should is, be before a, your it's time. A glam, it's a
2: glamour model reference. That one, Anthony. Um, no, just no. Do, the do some googling after this. Boy. You'll enjoy it.
0: Uh, yeah, no. I think if you're going to look at anyone from the Everton defence, it's definitely Digne is the uh, is the way to go. He's been keeping that sort of uh, backline afloat this season. I've got Holgate at the moment. I'm not really too happy with him, but it looked like Mina picked up an injury. Not really sure how long he's going to be out for. So I guess I'm kind of stuck with him for now. Um, other than that, the goalkeeper spot has been a bit of a bit of an issue. I think uh, Ashai said that Meslieri. Meslier is the obvious pick, and is he the obvious pick for a reason because he's the best option to go for. I think if if you've not um, not already got Dallas, maybe he's
1: the he's the easiest route to go to. Yeah, I think I'd be behind that with uh, Melier being probably the best option of those cheap goalkeepers. Um, at the same time, like you could go for Sanchez as well at the same price and then try and get one of the other Leeds defenders in. Uh, into your actual uh, defense, and that probably will be a better balance because they just seem to have that little bit more going forward. I wouldn't be interested in Pickford um, personally, but even though that Everton defense has been okay, so let's say the last eleven games, they're second in terms of clean sheets with six, which is actually quite good. In fairness, you wouldn't actually expect that from Everton ever, so that's that's promising. But I, I just can't get excited about it, and so I'd have just gone for Medier or even for the Sanchez or that matter, and just moved on. That said, though, I think people just need to be aware that Forrester has played the last two games. Uh, there would have been a lot of people who would have thought they weren't going to have a goalkeeper, and now they suddenly have a goalkeeper again. Uh, so <laughs> maybe just check your team to make sure, just, just to see which Southampton goalkeeper you forgot you own as your second goalkeeper, because you might not even need to make a defensive transfer as mad as it might sound.
2: Yeah, I just... Um it's just one of those kind of places isn't it where if you're looking at goalkeepers then you're probably doing okay in terms of everything else so you've kind of um misfired here in terms of the blank All right let's move on to the next question which is spurs goggles so our little jason has his free hit left and he's considering triple spurs uh son Kane, and Bale for his free 36 use here um very jealous of having the free hit still available. Wow, well done. um I guess this sort of leads to a wider question though, which is Are Spurs still high enough in our estimations to back what Little Jason is doing in terms of owning those free? um just because I think that ahead of the next, uh, ahead of the run in, maybe you're looking at Spurs. I, I certainly was. um I'd be thinking, you know, Wolves. Aston Villa and Leicester over the last three, especially, you know, Kane loves Leicester on the last day, doesn't he? Or just loves Leicester in general. I think mean, he scored more goals against them than the other team. Um, would you be looking at those games and thinking, oh, that's a great Bale game. Well, that's a great song game. Oh, they've been doing okay. Are they still high on their estimations in terms of teams to be targeting, to bring in? Or should we be looking elsewhere, Adam? Um, are those players, uh, I guess, if Kane's owned by everybody, are Son and Bale um, still the players we should be targeting?
0: Well, I mean, I think the only reason Ryan Mason's actually been given the temporary job is to try and boost sales of Spurs' gilets. I think they kind of went downhill ever since Tim Sherwood left. So clearly they've got a backlog of those in the club shops and need to get need to get them off the shelves. Um, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit sceptical on the, especially after that Leeds performance, the continual uh, hype might be a bit over-egging the pudding around Bale, but People were still looking at bringing him in. I think what we've seen is he's just not a particularly reliable performer on the pitch. He's uh, he's a defensive liability, really. I thought he was quite, really, really quite poor, um, poor against Leeds. And I think at this point, is it too uh, too harsh on him to say that his mind is already on the Euros? Maybe trying to sort of keep his legs ticking over. We know how central he is to everything. Uh, That Wales do, and he's not. He said it himself. He's not going to be at Spurs next season. I don't think they're going to try and buy.
2: He he said he expects me back at Real Madrid, is not he? So it feels like a bit of a kind of a sentimental sort of return uh, before he gets back to his
0: real life. No, yeah, definitely. I think I think everyone has Kane, so I don't really think there's any question about holding him. Um, I I guess maybe if you've got um if you've got a sort of Spare free transfer that you want to use up and you're thinking, well, I could probably do without Bruno or certainly I might not captain him from now until the end of the season, then I guess maybe Son is Son is the best option, but I certainly wouldn't be looking at
1: Bale. I'm not, uh, not sure what you guys think. So I just had a kind of a bit of a think there about who would be your free hit midfield if you were putting it together right now. There's no way you're going to do it without Son. And there's no way you're going to do it without Salah. I feel like that's two kind of acceptable things to say. Then it gets, you know, I think you're going to want to trip or to double up on the big two Liverpool names just because you can, and you throw in mana into that into that as well. You've got two slots left. I personally would roll the dice on two city midfielders and hope that one plays and I'd go for like Foden and Mares or something ahead of getting in somebody like Bale. Purely because I feel like that, that role of the dice is just probably a bit more favourable than Spurs against Wolves, who haven't been good by any means, but at the same time haven't been porous either. And it's not like that Spurs team under Mason have really changed into some sort of like wholly attacking unit that excites everybody at all, really. And that, lo- that Leeds loss, especially, was a real kick to the guts for them. Now, they do have five wins in their last six at home, and all of Bale's goals have come at home in 2021. But at the same time, is that enough for you to be swung by it? I just feel like it's a bad use of the free hit, personally. I know you'll say that, like, when else are you going to get Bale but on a free hit? and That's fair enough. I did it earlier in the season. But I think Personally, I'd try and play the risky game you can play with the City midfielders with a really high um, benefit to be able to be got from those City players if they play and if they do well. I think it's just more likely to get you 12 points than Bale.
0: I'd also soon look at someone like uh, someone like Sigurdsson if we're sort of thinking of targeting yeah. Sheffield United. Um,
2: 6.9 million as well. Beautiful.
0: Exactly the sexiest price there is. Um, <laughs> but if we if we're looking at targeting Sheffield United, I think Sigurdson's certainly the standout from those Everton midfielders. So uh, or maybe we could go for uh, Tom's best mate El Ghazi, you know? Away against Chris.
2: <sighs> I mean that was one that I did back, but then I I reversed back from I took a U turn and thought, you know what, Ben Teke's my man and you know hindsight is a fantastic judge. And hindsight has judged me worthy. Shame at my captain pick, right? Uh, the final thing is late season hits. So, Karam Ty, as a friend of the pod, gets in touch to ask, How about taking hits at this point in the season with every point being incredibly crucial now? And um, he laughs at the fact I'm looking at taking a minus eight uh, this game week. Um, and he says, Is there any point in doing so with less time to make up those hits? Or as I'm kind of trying to push in his direction, is it worth going for broke? And is it a different case in the upcoming week, which is the blank game week, like of course, if you're hitting up a blanking player for minus two. So strategically, I suppose, Anthony, um, you know, it could be quite good to be getting rid of these sort of blanking individuals, the likes of uh, Ica who I'm looking to get rid of um, because, you know, they've got a blank and then Chelsea and Spurs, and obviously, you know, with Maguire, it's probably a bit of a no-brainer. Um, but what's your view on hits at this point in the season? Are you trying to just make sure that your deposit, in terms of the points that you've got, is just kind of not impinged by the hits you're taking? Or is it um, the case that you are interested in kind of taking hits, try to get as high as you can now?
1: So like all these things, I think there's a, an element that your how your team is and what rank you're at will define how you want to approach this. But I also think how much you care about what your overall rank was in previous seasons was uh, up to now will matter too. Like If you're someone who's like thinks it's going to be a complete and utter disaster to have a rank, let's say 100K less than what you have right now, you wouldn't be taking risks and you might not be taking loads of hits. But at the same time, I think if you're chasing points or if you just want to just max out your chances of getting a higher overall rank than where you are rather than just consolidate whatever you're at, I think it totally makes sense to take hits especially for a blank. Um, If it wasn't a blank, I'm not sure I'd be saying the same thing uh, to the same extent. But when it's a blank, especially, you can knock out those blanking players and, as you say, Tom, dilute basically that minus four to uh, at least a minus three or a minus two with appearance points. That seems like a pretty good deal to me. And you can set yourself up nicely for the final three games as well. Just the amount of, especially budget players who have pretty good run-ins, I think Leeds are the standout in that, but West Ham, you could say the same for. It means that if you are taking hits, that second player you're bringing in to enable the move that I presume you really want to make, they're pretty good and they they will stick in your side for three game weeks. So it's particularly handy that it doesn't feel like the hit is concentrated in one blank game week and nothing else, that it, it will continue to benefit you going on. Uh, so with that in mind, I would say, Karam, take the hits, go for it. And I can totally see why someone like Tom is taking mine sake just to you know hope for the best and have another 90th-ish minute goal go his way with a player he's brought in. I think um, I think what you say that
0: Anthony's is, is so true about kind of your perspective on your overall rank because at this point my my rank in I think it was game week twenty seven I was around one hundred and eighty k I'm now four hundred and sixty k if I finish six hundred k I really don't care that much it doesn't make that much difference those whatever happens now unless I manage to sort of claw back some ground on where I was ten game weeks ago it's gonna I'm gonna look at it as a bad season. And I'm probably going to try and write it off and start afresh next season as much as possible. So, I think from someone uh, in my position who's looking at where they are now is pretty bad. An extra hundred k, like on my rank, is not going to make too much difference to me emotionally. So, yeah, why not sort of take some hits, try and have a bit more fun with it, uh, try out some, try and pick some players you've never owned before, or. Be a bit, uh, be a bit riskier with uh, with some of your picks from now until the end of the season.
2: For me, I think it's, it's it's actually not too exciting. It is basically removing and moving on to transfers and captains as well, segueing that very very sweetly. Um, it's going to be removing uh, Ikenacho, Castagna, and Maguire, um, and also buying uh, Dominic Harvard lewin captioning him, uh, removing Castagna. Uh, for Schufal and also removing Maguire um, for Dallas. And those are three players who hopefully over the last three have good games um, and are going to do a job for me effectively over those good games. And um, and just kind of uh, keying into what um, Karam asked about hissing out a blanking player. I've got no compulsions about doing that because the three players that are removing, there's no threat. They're all going to get zero. So it does feel like a minus two. It feels like a minus six in general. So I think I'm probably going to be okay in terms of making that removal. Um, but you could say that um, that I'm just kind of, as Adam has kind of intimated, uh, trying to make the best of a bad situation, which I probably am, to be honest. I, th- I think if you are um, in a situation where you're probably okay, you know, you're, in the, you're looking to consolidate your rank rather than attack your rank, Um I'd probably be avoiding hits a little bit. I'd probably be kind of sitting there and thinking, yeah, every point is crucial. I wouldn't be too upset about fielding 10 men, nine men probably uh, in game week 36, that blank, just because at the end of the day, um, there's going to be people around it taking those hits to try to kind of find their way um, into um, a better position than you are. Or at least to get to the position where you are already and so that's a very good position to be in, and and for me it probably wouldn't be something that I'd be too worried about in terms of having a few players less, um, because you sh- you're kind of safe in the knowledge that everybody around you um, is going to be taking hits to get to you know ten players, seven players. Uh, a bit of a shame that we are here um, in terms of my rank, and in terms of Adam's rank, but I think it probably does make sense in terms of what we're doing. Um, Anthony, uh, let's move on to transfers and captains. Then um, I've just expressed my transfers and captains. I'm probably Going to be captioning uh, Dominic Carvalho, and I bring him in as I'm kind of uh, vaguely kind of mentioned earlier on in terms of Sheffield United. I'm going to be targeting them, and um, so he looks like a very very good uh, transfer and the captain as well. Uh, what are you looking at doing this week?
1: Right. So in my current stance, I just don't have enough players. That's my biggest problem. I have eight players, and that's including Keenan Davis, who, thanks to Watkins's red card, is likely to start, which I was delighted about. And Mitchell, who seems to have won his spot in the side, I hadn't expected to be in as good a position as having seemingly eight players going into this week. So I will be looking to basically bring that, I think, to 10, maybe 11 players. But that would mean taking a minus eight. And that seems like mad to do. And I think basically how well the rest of this game week goes, will kind of decide whether I go for a minus four or a minus eight. Regardless, I'll make one defensive transfer. I suspect it'll be transferring out Luke Shaw purely because he can free up budget for me. And I also feel like he might not necessarily play that game against Fulham in Game Week 37, which would be the game that you'd be keeping a United player for anyway, considering he has a a ready-made replacement uh, on the bench at all times at United. So with that in mind, I'll probably sell him for someone and I haven't decided yet who but I'm feeling leads basically and you've heard me mention leads throughout this pod. And then Ihinacho is going to move as well. I'd love to get Ings. If I was doing the minus eight, it'll be Ings who comes in. If I'm just doing the minus four, then I'll be rectifying the fact that I have no West Ham attacker and it'll actually be Mikel Antonio who's coming in considering his form has been pretty good. And he seems to be the likely man in that team again. That said, I, uh, I'm kind of tempted by a few of the other strikers as well. Even Paddy Bamford, to be honest, or Chris Wood. Like the, It's that that whole entire kind of basket of six to 6.5s. Like a lot of them have good fixtures. Uh, if I'm stretching up as high as DCL is, I'll go all the way to uh, Ings, though. I just, I'm just more excited by his potential. I feel like he has a higher ceiling uh, overall as well. And sorry, in terms of captaincy as well. Before I, I move on to Adam, I'll probably just captain Salah, uh, unless he has a particularly bad game against Manchester United in the final game week of this. It just feels like the safer option to do. Although I'd be tempted by the fact that I have both. I have two Spurs players in Son and Kane. Again, oh, I just can't get too confident about Spurs, can I, uh, Adam? Um,
0: well, now my Maguire transfer is completely sorted out. To the excellent answering of my question earlier. Um, actually, ironically, I think I'll probably keep Maguire this week. Um, <laughs> for God's sake! <laughs> but, well, I don't know what is. if he's completely crocked and ruled out 100% until the end of the season. It seems um, the, the reports were saying hopeful they'd be back for the Europa League. Yeah, uh, it's it's a case of maybe if, if Veltman, um, see, so was a surprise injury that I wasn't really expecting. If he looks like he might be back for next week, I think I might just... I might just make a minus four transfer. I'm also looking at DCL for Ian Acho. That seems like a fairly common move this week. And then I've had Madison stinking up my team for a while now, and he's one I'm very, very keen on getting rid of. So it would be a case of if I just decide to take a minus four, I'd get Ian Acho and Madison out of my side, likely for Rafinha and DCL. If I decide to take a minus eight and get rid of Maguire as well, I'd probably look for something a little more punty in that um in that midfield spot i was thinking genuinely i was thinking of Willock earlier i know he's um got that man city game this weekend but newcastle's run in is relatively decent and he's a player i would be able to bench uh this next week if um if veltman is fit so he's someone i'm kind of eyeing up i'm basically looking at that midfield spot to have a bit of fun with you know i, w- I want to add some spice to my life
2: I I I feel like (laughs) 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 Willock. I just feel like Willock is such a propaganda sort of pick, but I really like it. That's really, really good. I think that rounds it up, doesn't it, Anthony, on uh, the Joe Willock pick.
1: Yes, it absolutely does. So we were Who Got The Assist. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you have not already. The correspondence section will return in the next podcast, assist at gmail.com for your emails, your thoughts, your comments, your addendums, your whatever it might be. And thanks very much to Adam, who is at 35who, all one word, on Twitter for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me on, guys. This is definitely in the top three fantasy football podcasts
0: I've ever been on. <laughs> have, so
2: you on, have you been on last twice, haven't you? So yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for coming on anyway, Um thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I hope just you enjoyed the rest of the triple game week, no matter how that works out for you. We're we'll back next Sunday, um, because of how things unfortunately work out. Uh, but either way, hope you have a good weekend, and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Ciao. Oh, it's a goal! Who got the assist?
1: Who got the assist?